We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 187, ALCS Preview, Scott. When I booked my trip to San Diego, which is where I am right now, two and a half months ago, I did not think it would be conflicting with the ALCS. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was definitely not on our radar at that point. Uh, maybe it should have been. Maybe we should have seen this coming. Who knows? But no, we, uh, we, ta- we tried to go a little bit into the, uh, into the series last, uh, the last show after the game. But it was 1 o'clock in the morning, and we weren't sure if we were going to win that game, so we didn't have a ton of information. Now, we are ready to go, loaded with information, ready to, uh, to get this out so that you guys can listen before the game. So, yeah, uh, this is kind of a bonus episode for uh, ALCS Preview, because we can't get enough podcasting, apparently. <laughs> you know what it was with the uh, previewing the, the Houston series coming up on the last episode? I put some notes in there, but I didn't want to jinx it. Because if you right. put too much information on the Houston Astros, then you're getting ahead of yourself. And then it would have been all for naught, and the Indians would have ended up winning Game 5. So I think I really played a big hand in the Yankees winning Game 5 by not putting too much information on the Astros in the show notes. It's, it's, a, it's a valid point, and I'm sure that everybody listening is right now is, is either giving you a slow clap or, or, a, or a silent clap in their head because they're very appreciative that you didn't do that because you are a walking jinx <laughs> for this entire year on this team. So, yeah, I thank you, and uh, everybody else thanks you too. So, well, then it's job. another good thing that I booked this trip and not even was worrying about the ALCS because then if I was, I would have jinxed that as well. 
Right. That one, that's a far-fetched jinx, but <laughs> I, I see where you're going with that. So last we spoke, we did not know the Yankees' rotation. We were, we were sort of saying Girardi might start Tanaka game one or he might hold him for game three back at home where he has much more success. He's ended up going Tanaka game one, Severino game two, Sabathia game three, Sonny Gray game four. So he's keeping Tanaka, Sevi, and CeCe all on regular rest. And Sonny Gray hasn't pitched in like 10 years pretty much. Yeah, the dude hasn't pitched him forever. That was the big surprise, I think, for for us. We definitely, by the end of the episode last time, we were circling Sonny Gray as the number one starter. I mean, I thought that that's the one that made the most sense, only because of you look at Tanaka's splits, and I mean they're night and day. Literally, actually, his splits at night and day are also <laughs> night and day. But the um, the uh, the splits from home and and away are are glaring. I mean, they're, he has much better success at Yankee Stadium, so that's really why we thought. But I guess Joe thought it was a better idea to keep him on regular rest, which again, a eh, little head scratcher, to um, to throw him now and start the series with Tanaka on the road and keep him on regular rest rather than wait for the stadium. So maybe that's maybe that's something saying more about he didn't want Sonny Gray pitching this game and he felt more comfortable with Tanaka or he feels more comfortable with Tanaka and how he's thrown right now and just gives them the best opportunity to win. And I, I kind of don't disagree with that. Yeah, I agree with the move to keep everyone on regular rest except Sonny Gray because no matter what, Sonny Gray was going to be off his his rest, right? Because he, he pitched game one of the ALDS. So if he pitched game one of the ALCS, that would have been a full seven days of rest. Right. So yeah, you're pushing him to, I think it's 12 days rest, but he's already off schedule. I'd rather keep three of my four guys on schedule then have everyone thrown off. And yesterday, Sonny Gray threw a, a three-inning simulation game at, at the Trap, or not the Trap, the, uh, what the hell is this one called? Minute, Minute Maid? Minute Maid. It's, it might as well be the same Is it name. still Minute Maid, or did they, didn't they they change it to some, I don't know. some oil company or something like that? Sonny, Sonny Gray threw a three-inning simulation at the Astrodome, and he, uh, so he was able to get some work in, and I th- I'm pretty sure Holiday was actually taking some swings. So, so Holiday has picked up a bat and has seen live pitching. That's, um, that's, that's breaking news. How many guys did Sonny Gray walk in that sim game? I, I don't know. I haven't seen the numbers on the sim game. I'm not sure they're going to release how many walks there were. How many pass balls did Gary Sanchez allow in that sim game? At least three. <laughs> um, I think that, like I said, this is the right move. But it does also say a lot about Sonny Gray and that he has not pitched well in his last four starts. If you go back to the regular season, his last three starts were not good. And then his game one start against the Indians were not good, was not good. And it's because he's walking too many people. So yeah. Girardi is saying, I'd rather go with Tanaka, who pitched great in his last time out on regular rest, and then Severino regular rest, Sabathia, who's been great the whole postseason so far. I just don't have confidence in Sonny Gray. That's, I think it's saying as much about Gray as it is the other guys. No, I, I totally agree with that. And I, I think that the other big thing is that Tanaka has been throwing the ball so well his last two starts. I mean, uh, Girardi was quoted. I saw a quote somewhere. Um, I have it in the notes here. And he's basically saying that the sharpness on the split and the slider, and that was one of the defining factors why he chose Tanaka. And, and when you're looking at what he, you know, what he, how he was throwing over the past two, I mean, I totally agree. He's been very, very sharp on these, on these last two starts. So, um, you know, if we're if we're taking the equation of where he's actually throwing the ball, I mean, the mound is the same, the distance is the same. Hopefully, he can tune all that out and act like he's at Yankee Stadium. I mean, it is a big ballpark that does uh, bode well for Tanaka in, in that sense, where you know, hopefully, he can uh, he can kind of play to the the, the stadium as well. But um, I, I, it's hard to disagree with this because I, I think at this point, when you're looking at playoffs, 
sometimes you just got to throw these splits and all these other things out the window because one, you're looking at what those starts were and, and Tanaka is a completely different pitcher right now than he was in the beginning of the season. And the beginning of the season numbers are playing into those those splits as well. So you're almost taking you know a, a Michael Pineda approach at those splits when you're looking at them um, and trying exactly. to decipher what's what. What do you do with with Tanaka's one start of the season against Houston, which came on May 14th after the Derek Jeter ceremony, where he pitched one and two-thirds innings, gave up four home runs and eight earned runs? What do you do with that? Like, you can't use that to evaluate now pitching in October. That was so horrendous. That was the worst start of Tanaka's career with the Yankees. So what do you you can't you can't use that into a decision. You gotta use recent stuff versus that. Yeah, you got to use recent stuff and almost like doing comps, you know what I mean? Like you got to take what's surrounding uh, almost the mean and then throw out the the high and the lows because at least a couple of them because they're just going to throw off all, all the numbers look like. I do have some weird, maybe bad news. I don't know. I don't, I'm not liking the way this is playing out, honestly, but the fact that he did get shelled on Derek Jeter Day, May 14th, you said it was uh, eight earned runs, four home runs, I'm pretty sure... Uh, uh, what's his face? The young kid. Bregman. Uh, hit, Bregman. Thank you. Hit a grand slam. Isn't off of Bregman him. also from Jersey or the New York area? Wasn't that kind of uh, like a homecoming for him? I don't remember. Maybe. Keep talking. I'm looking that up. Okay. So the other the the news that um we all know by now if you're if you're on Twitter or anywhere on social media today is also the anniversary of the flip play. Yet another Derek Jeter reference on the day of Tanaka pitching against the Astros. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying little little uh, little little footnote right there but um Derek Jeter's been uh been circling the news lately he's not on the team anymore now he's creating bad juju I don't like it so I was close I said uh Bregman's from New Jersey he's from Albuquerque New Mexico very close (laughs) but he was a huge Derek Jeter fan which I think is why he wears number two I believe um that's why obviously he's that's what that was I did see that that they were there was an interview in the dugout beforehand I think uh yeah we're talking about that yeah um yeah, so I think what what what, you, what Girardi's looking at here is that I'm I'm going with the guys who have confidence right now, and I think that's totally the right move. If you were to hold, first of all, if you were going to pitch Tanaka in Houston, you might as well do it in Game One to keep him on regular rest. What's the point of moving him to Game Two? So it was either Game One or Game Three. Well, yeah, and and also you're you're definitely getting now two starts out of Tanaka, and the second one would be at home. So you're you're looking game at five. Game five, if 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 necessary, in parentheses. But the uh, and that's the game I'll be at. Actually, that's the game I have tickets for, which is which is good. That's a good thing, right? No, Tanaka, you have home. you have you have tickets for game four. I have tickets for game four. You're right. It's the second home game. <laughs> we could we could get <laughs> tickets for game five. You're, if yeah. you're going to be in New York, we'll get tickets for game five. Yeah, maybe I'll get tickets for that too. Um, but yeah, I you know I think getting him uh, another start at Yankee Stadium is, is part of the decision too because you know if he's going to hold him back, then he's he's going to be on the road again. So uh, you know I'm circling it. I'm like I, I see what people are talking about when they're like I don't want to see uh, Tanaka in Game One, but who do you want? I mean, do you want Sonny Gray? Because there's no way you have confidence in Sonny Gray. So at that point, when that's the decision, because you're not bumping up Severino at this point, you want either Tanaka or Sonny Gray in the start, and I'm leaning Tanaka. Right, I mean that's that's yeah. the guy who's hot right now. It's the good move. It's it's the move I would have made. Um, and if you're Tanaka, also, I I think his opt out clause is playing a factor with how he's motivated to pitch extra good right now. Yes, he wants to win. Yes, he he wants to pitch well in the playoffs. But if he finishes this postseason strong, I think he's definitely opting out. I, I mean, I think he's opting out right now. I think he showed enough in the second half of the season. Well, what were the numbers we said since June 30? I think for, uh, on he was. 
you know, pretty much regular Tanaka with a couple blips, but he was like ninety um, percent of Tanaka in the last yeah. uh, last two two and a half months of the season, yeah, and absolutely showed uh, you know flashes of being that dominant guy. So I, I think at this point, unless there's you know something crazier, or, or they're, they're they're realizing that the the market is not going to be what they what they hope it is, um, which I, I doubt that's the case. I still see him opting out at this point. The interesting thing is, is, do the Yankees look at what just happened in the second half? And if he does have good playoff starts, now what? Um, what are you looking at if he's opting out? Totally well, here, different podcast, totally different day. Yeah, quickly, here's the thing now with the Yankees is that because they're making a deep playoff run, they can't, they, they're going to be tempted to bring the team back. If Tanaka opts out and he plays a big part in, in getting them to the ALCS or hopefully a World Series, they're not going to let him walk away at that point because they're saying, we're so close, we can taste it right now. So Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, you know, they'll have to look at how that's going to be adding into the, uh, the total you know, number of, um, of, the, uh, of the, not the salary cap, but the, um, the, way, the, the money so that they can see what the luxury tax looks like. Because yep. they're still talking about that. I mean, that's, they're still that's, talking about getting under it. That's conversations that are happening currently. Uh, they're talking about getting under it, and that's that's obviously the game plan, and they're sticking to it. So, but it'll it'll be mind, interesting. That was before the Yankees beat the Indians in the ALDS. If, Stein, if Steinbrenner's saying, "Oh, this is a World Series team right now," fuck the salary cap. I'm just gonna spend so we can win that World Series. Yeah, because that that's the big revenue right there. The revenue of winning the yeah. World Series trumps anything going on with the uh, uh, even if it's you know a ridiculous amount of millions of dollars for the luxury. Yeah. A World Series championship with with all these young kids on the roster, Steinbrenner is going to be dreaming of money signs. Yes, absolutely. I mean that's that's a that's just cha ching happening all over the place. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting. But um, let's look at the other side of of this game, Keuchel, the Yankees kryptonite, the old Yankees kryptonite, not the new Yankees kryptonite. We don't know if he's their kryptonite at this point. But if you look at the numbers of all the Yankees versus Keuchel, they're all ugly, just like they were all ugly versus uh, Kluber. So the Yankees hit Kluber in two starts. So why can't they hit Dallas Keuchel in, in, in the ALCS? Yeah, uh, you know, the interesting thing is when you're looking at Keuchel, I mean, he dominated the, the last couple teams when the Yankees, in his career, six starts, 44 innings pitched, uh, seven earned runs. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's a 1.41 ERA, 45 strikeouts. So he's averaging a strikeout in an inning. He's not the biggest strikeout guy, but he just, he's, you know, the Yankees have seen this guy. This is what I was talking about before we went into that game five um, uh, against Cleveland, is that Cleveland was throwing a lot of this very similar style pitchers where you're not seeing that over-dominant fastball guy. You're not seeing that guy. You're not seeing that Severino you're seeing more guys that are, you know, low to mid 90s, but can locate their off speed and throw a lot of off speed, and will throw it at any in any count, and, and that's what you're seeing with Keuchel as well. So, you know, I, I think they're, if anything, they're they're more geared up to this type of pitcher because they've seen a similar style pitcher, you know, over the past series. So, I you you've got to be you got to take that into account because to me, that's you're you're looking at guys that are very similar and know how to um, change speeds really well. That's going to prepare you better for Keuchel. But the Yankees face uh, the Yankees struggle with pitchers like that, especially uh, a crafty lefty like Keuchel who can locate on the outside half. Everybody, of the plate everybody with... struggles with guys like that now. No, I know, but what I'm saying is, you got Verlander going game two, who's just pumping fastballs and hard sliders up there. The Yankees have are more equipped to face a guy like Verlander than they are Keuchel. But to your point, like you just said, they faced all these kind of Keuchel-esque guys in the in the DS. So hopefully they can. 
have some confidence going into him. But what it's going to come down to is how to judge and Sanchez look against Dallas Keuchel. Because lefty on righty, those two batters absolutely stunk in the ALDS. What were the numbers? Five for 43, was it? Five Something for 43 horrible. with two homers. Judge struck out 97 times. Yeah, five for 43 with 97 strikeouts. The two homers were both by Sanchez. The only big hit in the series that Judge had was the double in game four. Big um, hit, though. Big hit. Side it note, was a big, big hit. Side note, big hit. But... You can count on one hand the number of times he put the ball in play. Right. And Keiko, who's throwing off-speed junk, low in the zone, curveballs, change-up sliders, it's going to be imperative that Judge and Sanchez don't swing at that shit. If they're not swinging at it, I think the Yankees' offense will be fine against Keiko. If the big right-handed batters are chasing those pitches, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna struggle. And if you're looking at the numbers, the only guy with success is Chase Headley. Relative success: two seventy-three average versus Keiko. Um, we had said, oh, maybe Holiday will finally get an opportunity to play lefty going in game one. But maybe the only th- way that that's going to happen, because Headley's going to be in the lineup with those numbers. Is if, if Headley played first. Yes, if Headley plays first. That's the only way that Holiday's going to get in the lineup. Because Girardi, for as much as I think that after game two, he threw away the binder and started to manage a little bit more with his instincts. He's still going to go by the numbers in a lot of situations. That's why um, Jacoby Ellsbury was in the in the Game 5 starting lineup, because he had success against Corey Kluber. And and Girardi's going to look at the binder, and, and Chase Headley has success against Keiko, so I'm penciling his name in there. So Greg Bird is going to have to sit if we want to see Matt Holiday in the lineup, and I'm not sure I, I'm prepared to sit Greg Bird. No, not for a guy that's completely unexpected, just for that lefty-righty matchup. And, and just so you guys all know, too, when you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the before the game, but we're recording uh, around around noontime, around lunchtime, so we don't have the the lineups out yet. So just keep that in mind when we're, we're talking about this stuff. We haven't seen the lineup and, and what Girardi's actually doing. They just released the uh, ALCS roster, but not the lineup for the game tonight. But yeah, that's the only that's the only way it happens. Um, and you know, I just don't see it happening. And, and the reason and the reason is is because uh, Bird has just been very good over the past month since he's been back. And the righty lefty, I mean, he did hit a home run off of a big lefty, and it's, <laughs> there's it's, no uh, better lefty than Andrew he, Miller. Like, he's proved that he can hit a left-handed pitcher out of the ballpark. So yeah, and he's a better defensive first baseman than Chase Headley. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, um, I don't see that happening. I'd be very surprised if if you were to do that. Yeah. Does does um, Joe look at moving Judge down in the order? I mean, you got to look at it. You know, I don't know how much it, it would be a spot or two. It would not be a big drastic move. Don't don't expect something like, you know, judge moving to seven. That ain't happening. Well, no, um, I, don't, I don't think he's going to move to three or four. So if he's moved out of the second hole, I think it's going to be six or seven. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to go that low. So no, uh, especially with the lefty on the mound. I mean, I think people were looking at also if you're if you're talking about um, especially with the lefty, right. But uh, maybe Aaron Hicks moving up in lineup. He's been. Relatively good. That was a, a guy that could be circled as a, a potential two-hole guy. I, I don't know. I've always liked Hicks in the two-hole because of his versatility, and he gets on base. He makes pitchers work. He does. I just don't think that this is the time. It's it's completely uncharacteristic for Joe Girardi to go against um, a guy that's been as good as Judge has all year long. Uh, I don't care if he's a rookie. He's he's got that that little bit of. Uh, of clout in the clubhouse at this point, I, I believe that Girardi does have his back on that, and I don't think he's going to do it. I just don't think, I don't think he would do it to to judge. Well, moving him down, I don't think is a big deal. He's not sitting him. I'm not asking. No, but him he to doesn't. Sit, but... He doesn't even move people down. He he. It's not characteristic of him in big games like this to move guys out of the out of their normal spots. He just doesn't do it. He believes that guys rebound. That's one of his core beliefs. And 
you know, most of the time it's, I, I kind of agree with that. It's just judges look so lost lately. Um, it's unless, the guessing. You know, it's, it's the guessing at the plate. He's just, no, he's, it's not even guessing. He's, he's, he's looking too much for the off-speed pitch early and he's swinging at it. And unfortunately, he needs to just lay off of it and sit fastball. Didi Gregorius was talking about earlier uh, in one of the interviews after he hit those two home runs. And he was talking about, I think he was talking with Meredith Morakovic about this and just his general approach. He looks for fastballs. That's, that's what his approach is. He looks and seeks fastballs. A-Rod was looking for fastballs his entire career. You can do this in the major leagues. You can spit on curveballs and off-speed things outside the zone. Even if they're in the zone, who cares? Don't swing at them. Look fastball. And Judge really does need to take that approach, especially now, because they're going to be peppering him. Make them throw that for a strike. I I have to imagine the strikeouts in the in the division series were getting in his head because he struck out what was it sixteen times in twenty something at bats? It was ridiculous. It, it, he set a record for a single series of postseason strikeouts. Keep in mind this was a five game series, not a seven game series. Record in, in baseball history. Was it three golden sombreros? Uh, I think it was four <laughs> strikeout, three, yeah. four strikeout games. That's a platinum sombrero. I, I don't even know what the hell you is, is that a turkey? What is it? A that's uh, a turkey of sombrero of golden sombrero. That's a turducken. That's a turducken. It's an insane amount. It's a Mexican turducken. It's crazy. That's a lot of strikeouts. He needs to stop swinging at that pitch. It's very clear that he can't hit it. It's a good thing that the MVP votes do not factor in the playoffs because right now Jose Altuve, who hit 530 in the in the division series and absolutely murdered the Red Sox, would would be locking up the MVP race. Oh yeah, there's there's no question about it. He would be the guy um, far and away just because I think of, it's, uh, of what's happening. It's fitting that the two leading MVP candidates are now facing off in their teams are facing off in the in the championship series. I think. Oh no, absolutely. I think that's fitting. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I, I think it's a good look too. I think it's a very good look. You have two good teams, two guys who, you know, are clear in a way the the two front runners, and now their teams are there. I mean, I think that's a good look for baseball, saying that hey, these are the two MVPs, and look where their teams are. Uh, quick, quick, because I saw some quotes that um, the Indians lost that that uh, DS. Obviously, the Yankees aren't thinking that. The Yankees are thinking we came back and won it. But what are your what did you think about people saying that? I think they're. What are they looking at? Are, are they looking at the same freaking series? Because the Yankees almost gave it away. <laughs> That's what I said. The Yankees should have won in four. Yeah. What are you talking about? Kipnis, uh, Kipnis is quoted as saying that we still feel like we're the better team. They just they just uh, played better in the series. And I'm, and, and I'm like, uh, yeah, that's the, the whole that's the whole fucking point. That is the exact point of being better for that series. That's baseball, Kip. Go go work on your technique on how to throw a ball from center field and lift a couple weights, bro. Uh, game two, Severino versus Verlander. Severino's stats this season against Houston, also not good. Most pitcher stats against Houston this, this year across the league, not good because their offense is freaking ridiculous. But Sevy started two games, so seven and two-thirds innings total, 10.57 ERA, which is nine earned runs. His first start came... In game one of the doubleheader on Derek Jeter Day, so just all in all, Derek Jeter Day not a good not a good day. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Look, I don't want, I didn't want to talk about it or say it, but it's there. All right, it's got to be. I feel like this is like talking into a no hitter. I'm going to identify the no hitter because it's happening against us. So I'm going to call it out and really just hope that we can uh, be me calling it out can get rid of all the bad thing, all the bad juju. This is. Did you also see that this was uh, the the series? against Cleveland was the first playoff series the Yankees won since Derek Jeter was on the team. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought I saw something about what the last one, um, 
when Derek Jeter, so Derek Jeter was on the team for every series until uh, the last one before that was 81, I think. Holy shit. If I remember shit. correctly. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I could be wrong with that. If I'm wrong, call me out, but I think I'm right. No, that that seems right because the only other playoffs was 95 and they lost in, in, in the division series to Seattle and then 96 through Jeter's career. So that sounds right to me. Yeah, um, that's, that's a ridiculous amount when you think about the storied franchise of the New York Yankees. You're not going to like this, but A-Rod's been more about more on this team than J- Jeter's with the Marlins now. He's the day the Yankees were playing the wild card game, Jeter put out out that whole thing, that whole thing on the players tribune about how he's going to turn the Marlins into into a a, a competitive team and a, and, a, and a winning franchise. It's like you couldn't have put that out yesterday, Jeter. I think that was on purpose. And you got A-Rod on Fox flashing his World Series ring and doing the thumbs down shit. Dude, A-Rod is driving me insane. First of all, you know he's getting paid $20 million for his opinion right now, right? By the New York Yankees. So the reason he's talking all this shit is because he has to. He has to say this. I think he he actually... I think I don't think A Rod has an opinion. He's a home. Okay, if there's ever a homer, it's A Rod. A Rod is a homer. He's getting paid twenty million dollars, twenty million plus to be a homer. Of course, he's a homer. I think it's twenty-seven million. <laughs> okay, it's so stupid. <laughs> the fact that he's on there with his World Series rings makes me want to just jump through the TV and punch him in the face. What's annoying I can't is stand it. He I can't stand him wearing it. a stupid thumb-down shirt either. He keeps flashing the World Series ring upside down. Can someone tell him to turn the fucking thing over? He's so annoying. I can't. I, I. I cannot handle. I know people love. Some people love Arod. I cannot handle him. I think his personality on these pregame and postgames is so annoying. Most annoying person. It's like it's like nails on a chalkboard to me the way he talks. So for Severino, he had two starts. The first one was terrible in Yankee Stadium. Only got in. He got knocked out in the third inning. The Yankees ended up coming back and winning that game. And then the Yankees lost his start in Houston July 2nd. He pitched five and a third innings, gave up nine hits and six earned runs. He did strike out, I believe, seven guys. Um, You almost got to throw those splits out as well because Severino... (laughs) Let's let's just throw away anything that we see bad. We're going to throw that shit away. Here's why. Because as good as Severino was uh, in the first... I mean, he was solid in the first half, but he turned it up in the second half. And those two starts against Houston came in the first half of the season. His numbers were just okay in the first half. Yeah, no, I mean, he he definitely matured and got better as the season went on. So that's that's definitely a consideration. You got to. I mean, when you look at this team and the way that the pitching staff was in the first half and the second half, specifically Tanaka and then Severino, I mean, these guys these guys turned it up. Sabathia was pretty much the same guy the entire time, and then nobody else was there. Sunday Gray wasn't on the team. Everybody else is hurt. So you're looking at these guys, uh, and and you're right when you're when you're looking at where they when they played Houston, that doesn't mean a, a whole lot. Does mean that they they were able to see him, um, and and just kind of at least get that that perspective of being at the uh, at the dish against him. So that's something. It, it goes into the memory bank. But uh, to me, he's a different guy. A lot more confident now. And Houston's got Verlander going in game two. Uh, good news, bad news on Verlander. The the good news is that the Yankees have a ton of experience against him. If you look at the the players. Uh, at bat total they've had 113 total at bats against justin verlander so the sample size is there a lot of these guys all the veterans have seen him a number of times the rookies haven't seen him like judge and sanchez those guys haven't really faced him but but i'm looking at the numbers right now gardner's had 26 at bats against him ellsbury 27 at bats so there's a lot of at bats there that's the good news they have experienced the bad news is verlander has been absolutely on fire since he came over to the astros he looks like he was reinvigorated by that trade he really does. He looks like he got into a, a, another uh, young team that's on the up and up and really relished it. So they're, uh, I mean, he's he's throwing really well. 
you look at his stuff, the fastball is still there. He's still in the high 90s. He's still got that, that you know, good off-speed pitch. Um, I, you know, he's a dangerous guy. He's a big game pitcher too. He's, he's the guy I, I likened him to Sabathia during our last show, because to me, they feel like a, a similar makeup in the sense that he just, he wants the ball in the big moments. And the last time we saw him in a very big moment was 2012. And he came out pretty damn good through, um, eight or eight and a third pitched into the ninth inning. I think the only thing he gave up was a solo shot to, to, to Nooney and got taken out, but he dominated the Yankees in a big moment. Um, in the 2012 ALCS. So it's ironic that we're seeing him again in another ALCS, but now with Houston. So their top two are good, and they have all, both of those guys have very good numbers against the Yankees. So you know damn well they're coming in at least confident, saying that, hey, we've faced this team. We know what they're like. We know this team is a, a, a competitive team, and they're not going to be, their eyes aren't going to be too big. You know what I mean? They're, they're going to be ready for this moment. Houston, they have to be saying we need to win the Verlander and the Keuchel starts because the back half of their rotation is inexperienced and not nearly as good. They're still TB, uh, TBD on the starters in games three and four, whereas the Yankees are going to have Sabathia, who has all of the experience in the world and who looks like he is absolutely loving every second of this postseason run and Sonny Gray looking to bounce back at home and then possibly Tanaka in a game five. Um, so... I think there's pressure right now on the Astros to get those two wins with Verlander and Keuchel because they know they don't want if those two pitchers aren't pitching well and winning those games, they're screwed. Because if this is a bullpen series or if this is a messy series like the Yankees made it with the Indians, the Yankees have such an advantage in the bullpen. Well, that and also the fact that they're going back home playing three games. We know the home field advantage. 3-0 at Yankee Stadium so far. If you split one on the road in this series, this is why I actually don't like the way that they have it set up because I think it does give the advantage to the um, to the visiting team. Or you think it the, should be the 1-1-1 like in the NBA? No, I think it should be... Uh, yeah, you mean at the end. 2-2-1-1-1. Two, 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 one, one, one. Yes. And, and with another day off somewhere in there because the, what, the, the games at Yankee Stadium are all back-to-back-to-back, right? Yep. Yep. They're Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So you could throw a, a day off in there, a travel day, to me with no problem. Um, I was surprised actually that they were back to back to back when I saw the, the schedule. But but yeah, I, I think it does give the... I mean, it's a good thing for us, no doubt about it, because uh, I think if the Yankees were to steal one of these games in Houston, then, I mean, they're, that's a huge advantage because now they're going home with experienced starters, like you said, maybe throwing Tanaka a third time um, for a decisive game if they can win the first two. So there's a lot of very good things. And the Yankees, you know damn well they're looking at that. Like, let's just take one. That's the goal. Take one right now. Win one game, go home, and see what we can do. So, um, yeah, it actually lines up better for the Yankees, in my opinion. I think you and I mentioned this on the last podcast, that the Yankees are playing loose right now. Once, once, um, once they lost those first two games and the way they lost that game, too— Something happened with this team where they just said, "Let's screw it. Let's just go out there and see what happens. So they're playing loose right now. Houston has, just like the Indians, Houston has the pressure on them. For once in, in our, our baseball watching life, the Yankees are not the favorite and they're not the team with the pressure. Yeah, it's so funny. You see all these. I don't know if you've you've like taken a glance over at like Mets Twitter area. They're so bitter. It's I so funny. I try not to get into that shit. I, I just saw it one for like I, I looked at it for like two minutes. I was like, all right, let me let me look for like a minute, and I was like, I saw exactly what I was expecting to see. Just bitterness everywhere, and and some of the and it's hysterical. I think it's I love it. I really do. They have such a complex. I really I do. I I, I feel bad for for Mets fans, but um they uh they come out and you look at exactly what's happening with the underdog thing. 
Like, yes, they are li- literally the underdog. Like, Vegas pro- has them as the underdog. So that's what they are. And they're playing that role because why? They're not the big bad Yankees right now. They're a bunch of kids. They're a bunch of kids wearing the pinstripes. And it's a beautiful thing because they're playing with house money, pants on fire. Let's see what happens. And uh, and and it's great. And nobody wants to see that because everybody else outside Yankee world sees the big bad Yankees. But that's just not who this team is right now. Uh, yes, exactly. And as far as Houston goes, we know what their strengths are. The offense. Uh, they led the league in all the important offensive categories. Correa is a Yankees killer. 384 with 18 RBIs and six homers and 19 career games against them. So uh, it's the Yankees starters, it's going to be hard for them to go through that order three times in one game just because it's so deep. There's so many good hitters on that team. They got Uleski Gurriel, who had an amazing series against the, uh, the Red Sox, batting seventh in that lineup. So it's going to be tough. Um, be prepared for, I think, some high-scoring games. But if you can keep it close, the Yankees have the advantage the advantage late in the game with the bullpen. And, and I think that's, that's what the Yankees need to do to win this series, make it a bullpen series. Yeah, I mean, you're talking to their depth. I mean, they have a bunch of guys, too, that can work to count. I mean, Altuve will will hit a home run off of you in the first pitch, but will grind out a 3-2 at bat. Uh, you have no idea what this guy's going to do. He's such a good hitter. And you look up and down that lineup, they have just quality, quality hitters, guys who can hit for average. Um, Bregman was the number one draft pick, I believe. And then Garrell, who's, I mean, you're looking at him, and, and you see rookie, but that's like an, he's like an Ichiro rookie. He's 33 years old. Um, he played on the Cuban national team for a long time, had a lot of success, was one of the better international players, and then came over. So this guy is not a rookie. Don't, don't be fooled by that, by the look. Um, he's 33 years old, has a ton of experience, and is a very good hitter. So this entire team um, is dangerous. It really is. You see Bregman, who is, seems like he's really hitting that stride now. Uh, he came up last year, was playing third. I think he's in the outfield now, right? Or maybe he's at third and Garrell's at first. I don't remember. He's but they third. Um, playing third. So he's he's a guy that is is really just hitting his stride, and he's a he's a pure hitter. Like this guy can hit everybody. He took sail deep twice um, uh, against the Boston series. Caras, or, uh, Correa hit uh, two home runs against the everybody uh, hit. the Red everybody Sox. Hit they're hitting series. bombs. Yeah, they're hitting bombs. So that's one thing you got to circle on tonight. Because if Tanaka is not down in the zone, he's in big trouble. I mean, he's huh? in big trouble anyway. If he's not down in the zone, but against this team, he's in big trouble. I don't know about you, but it was kind of hard for me in the Cleveland series to hate the Indians because I was rooting for them anyway in the 2016 playoffs uh, because of the Andrew Miller factor, and I just wanted to see the Cubs keep losing. I thought that was funny. Um, but So it was a little hard to muster up some hate uh, for the Indians. I have no problem mustering up hate for the Astros. First of all, Dallas Keuchel and his hipster beard. I hate that guy. Uh, I don't want to see Beltran and McCann win a World Series. I don't want to see them win... Uh, the ALCS against the Yankees. I don't have anything against them. I just don't want to see it. And it's not going to be hard for me to hate these Houston Astros. Yeah, I mean, you love to hate people. I, I have a... Um I, I was not a fan of the Cleveland Indians, to tell you the truth. Like, those were the guys... Like, Encarnacion, I got no love loss for that dude. He He's can, the only he can, one, though. No, I, I don't like... Uh, What's-his-face, too? The <laughs> the guy that um got hit. The guy that didn't get hit in the hand. Chisenhall? Uh, I can't think of his name. Thank you, Chisenhall. Chisenhall's a role player. He can't, He's an asshole. He is a giant <laughs> asshole. He is, a, he is a guy, like, listen to some of his stuff. Look him up. He's a giant asshole. He's one of those guys I just can't stand, too. Um, so there's there's some people on there. They're cocky as hell, too. You know, Jose Ramirez coming out with the cupcake lines on Twitter? Like, you can I, That team, I thought, was m- way more hateable than this team. This Trevor one you Bauer's got, like, hateable as well. 
Trevor Bauer is very hateable. I mean, he, he's okay, got that you, face. You convinced me. Wanna... You convinced me. Yeah. <laughs> well, screw the Indians. <laughs> screw the Astros. I hate everybody. Yeah. I mean, Cody Allen. He's got a. He's got a like straight punchable face too. I mean, he's just like one of those straight face guys. Like, make some, make a facial expression. Do something. <laughs> Can't stand your face. Yeah. That's the more the I talk about thing. them. The beautiful thing about the playoffs is because you play them for five or seven straight games every night, such intense pressure. You hate these teams so much. I love it. It's so intense. Yeah. It's so great. And and this team has fire. I mean, George Springer's a local guy. That's the George Springer's the pride of the Connecticut. The pride of Connecticut. The pride of Connecticut are horrible Susan Waldman accents. I mean, how many times are you going to hear that if you're listening to the radio broadcast? Tune tune out of that part of it if you every time want he bats, to save your ears. Every time yeah, he just, hits. It's going to come up every single time. But I mean, he's a guy that that has a lot of fire. Uh, he could, you know, be he could piss us off real fast. Altuve is a guy that I don't think is going to make anybody mad. You just like tip your cap to that guy. Um, but he may be a bother. Correa, uh, I keep well, he's going to be a pain Carrasco. in the ass when he's hitting. He's going to be a pain in the ass. Sure. And Correa is really good. I mean, so really, good. really good. So yeah, these guys will will infuriate us because of how of their talent yeah. and how good they are. Garel, wild card. Could I could really hate him. And Bregman, I could definitely see. I, I, I could definitely hate him. <laughs> okay, so we can hate the entire roster. Good to know. Before we get out of here, just one final thing I want to say uh, to people listening to this podcast. You guys have been awesome as we've been doing these shows every night. We get tweets early in the morning saying, where's the podcast? Where's the podcast? And part of me is like, this is a, this is a part-time gig for us. You guys keep bugging us for it. But at the same time, it's awesome to see the passion that people have for what Scott and I are doing. So thank you. Thank you guys for listening. We see the numbers. The The show is growing. The, the playoffs have been huge for us. The, the ratings and reviews on iTunes have been awesome. And the voicemails have been on fire. We had, what, 14 minutes of voicemails after the ALDS? Yeah. So just honestly, it's been it's been uh, a few long nights for scott and i scott and i but well worth it um so thank you thank you guys for li- thanks for listening and hope hopefully we can keep this going uh into deep into november when the world series would be going on yeah definitely i mean the 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 fans of the show have been awesome yankee fans have been awesome the the some of the voicemail i, I must say i don't know some of you guys sound like you're calling from the pits of hell <laughs> because the vo- i don't know like there's no service i thought there was service everywhere in the world now I don't know. It's uh, it's it's pretty crazy. Some they of must the, have um, T-Mobile or something. Yeah, it's it's funny, but um, I I try to edit them and make them sound as good as possible. The uh, but they're awesome. Like 14 minutes on fire. I love that. I love hearing uh, all of you guys take. I love hearing all that stuff. It's so much fun. It adds such a cool element to the show. And honestly, it's made it so much more fun too. Um, just us talking to the mic. I mean, we have a great time talking baseball. That's why we started this in the first place. It's because we talk Yankee baseball. So like, let's record it. And that's how it kind of started. But now that the fact that we have a lot of fan interaction too, um, from you guys kind of contributing, because you're a big part of the show. It's huge. And it's just going to keep growing. And I know that uh, we'll get more people calling in. And uh, I, I would love for that segment to just can continue to grow. And then, you know, we're always looking for new segments too and, and ways to incorporate you guys in, in more ways. So I love it. It's it's obviously working, right? So keep calling in, keep listening to the show because it is working. The Yankees are playing phenomenal baseball right now, and hopefully we can continue it throughout this ALCS and take down Houston. <laughs> the one I just thought of, uh, the Amber Alert guy, that was I yes. think maybe the funniest one we've ever had. That one was really good. The other one that fires me up is, um, oh man, I don't have his first name, but the 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 British guy, the one from London, the one the yes. last one. Yes. Every time he says boys, like the in that accent, makes <laughs> it just fires me up, man. I, I swear, I want to listen to that voicemail every day when I wake up, and just and just you know, I feel like I'll, I will attack the day because I love your accent uh, and whatever you said. I don't care what you said; you could say the alphabet, and it's phenomenal. But keep calling in, please. 
more British it. callers. I, I absolutely want you guys to call in because it just sounds that much better. And for all the marriages that Joe Girardi is ruining, just keep calling in, keep keep venting, and hopefully, hopefully there's no divorce in the future for you guys because the Yankees win the World Series. All right, Scott, any last words before we get out of here? No, I'm ready, man. Tonight's a big night. Hopefully Tanaka can uh, can can throw the splits out the window. Let's create some new splits there, Tanaka. Big Let's, night, big night. Let's do it. Talk to you guys soon. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show... We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com